0: Welcome to Your Business Greatness. I am your host, Simone Sloan, the executive strategist. And really, our mission here is to educate business owners, professionals, the community at large. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Dr. Baktari, CEO of e-National Testing, e7 Health, and US Drug Test Centers. He brings over 20 years of clinical and administrative and entrepreneurial experience. He has been a triple board certified physician specializing in internal medicine, pulmonary and critical care medicine. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. You I just read your bio and would love for you to introduce yourself in terms of your journey today in in e-national testing and what kind of led you to this business.
1: Yeah, well, initially, uh, obviously, I was a clinician, and uh, that was my initial start into healthcare. Uh, After I graduated, I joined a group, became a senior partner, taught, and several medical schools and then did some administrative work in both the insurance field and the hospital side. And then eventually we started our own company. So it was an evolving journey. It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like woke up one morning. And then we started our preventive health wellness company, E7 Health, which led us to E-National Testing and U.S. Drug Test Center. So we have a suite of companies now that their main focus is leveraging technology to improve health care and reduce friction in the healthcare system.
0: When you talk about friction, I guess in terms of the business that you're doing from that perspective, who are you helping and, and in in what ways are you partnering with the with the healthcare systems?
1: Well, we know that, you know, tr- navigating the healthcare system can be very challenging in terms of whether it's getting access to data, getting an appointment, understanding what's happening, being involved in it, getting The information you need having your providers get the information they need so we basically sort of bypass the traditional setup that traditional healthcare provides by writing technology that really gives patients control what happens to them their records and what it takes to navigate the system so for example we basically eliminated our medical records department because every record is that the patient would need is already in their portal we eliminate all paperwork. We eliminated wait times. We eliminated the waiting to be seen by leveraging technology and, and a whole and a hundred other problems that traditionally people face when they're trying to navigate the healthcare system. So by eliminating uh, or trying to greatly reduce a lot of those pain points, it makes interacting with the healthcare system as often as easy as you know, going on Amazon and, and buying a widget, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. How, I guess, in terms of for, because when you talk about healthcare and navigating the system, it's so complicated. And it's such an exhausting process. And if you, as as a, a, a patient, doing, going through this, these processes, I'm curious then in terms of how, in what access points do you support the patient in navigating their healthcare and their doctors
1: and the overall -hmm. also well i mean let's just take getting rid of all the paperwork i mean what's the most common experience when people show up a doctor's office are given a a clipboard with you know 10 pages of paper to fill out uh to get an appointment it's not like you're going to go on your cell phone press three buttons and get an appointment in terms of getting your data in terms of getting in and out so what we have found is you can just like You know, Amazon got rid of the bookstore. I mean, how did they do that? They didn't do it by just selling better books, right? They did it reducing friction. You didn't have to drive down, park your car, walk into a bookstore, go find the book that you wanted. So there are ways that technology can get rid of obstacles between you and what you need. For example, with e-national testing, you can go on our website, order your cholesterol test, your prostate test, your food allergy test, uh, with a few clicks, and go down a half a mile, or hopefully, uh, and then get your blood work drawn and, and get the results uh, in a day or two. So, there are ways that you can run healthcare like other industries run their industries using technology. We just thought we could do the same with healthcare. Absolutely.
0: I also think that, too, as part of that, is it comes a degree of transparency, right? In terms of how access to the technologies and things of that nature, because it's just been this quagmire system controlled by various <laughs> people within the value chain. And I won't name names, but I think we can figure it out. You're right. Uh, but I'm also from that perspective. So, what I'm hearing is that it's not only just the friction, but with friction comes ease and mm-hmm. accessibility. Around the technology, but around utilization and a different type of experience, right? How you relate?
1: To yeah, that. and and let's be frank, frank about it. You're more likely to use it if you're not going to be tortured getting there, right? I mean, like I'm sure some people wake up and say, you know, I should really go see my doctor and get my cholesterol checked or something, but they're like, oh, it's going to take a couple of months to get an appointment, and I got to go sit in the lobby and. And so, what have you? So, I, I think people are more likely to be engaged in their health care if they feel like it will be not painful, <laughs> for a better absolutely,
0: word. Absolutely, absolutely. As you look at healthcare, then, because you being in technology and looking at the evolution of where it's going, what's what do you see as the next?
1: I think next is to really connect, you know, because I, th- I see I see a lot of great technology in healthcare, but is to connect everybody in a, in a system that actually can exchange information between all the different doctors, hospital groups, and different nursing homes, and what have you. Even when we do develop technology, what we find is that they're in silos that often don't talk to each other. and. I think the interconnectivity of the information is really the ultimate prize in terms of getting to where we need to be, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. You know, and as you think about it, too, people like control, right, in terms of their Mm -hmm. their data and be drivers of that. So what I'm hearing is sort of taking the control out of one arm and really shifting the power dynamics of care into mm-hmm. the owner's hands right the patients from that
1: mm-hmm.
0: are you ready for that
1: i think we are ready for you i think there's just some barriers that stop us you know there's too many you know, chefs in the kitchen sometimes in terms of pulling that off and i think that's the challenge mm.
0: thanks thanks for that well as we talk about some of the challenges kind of unpack that for me a little bit too in terms of what you're seeing as part of that evolution
1: well I think part of what makes healthcare so difficult in terms of making progress technology-wise is there are a lot of stakeholders involved in any progress. I mean for example, you know you have the patient, you have the doctor or healthcare provider, you have the insurance company, you have government, you have Medicare, Medicaid, you have HIPAA and regulatory requirements, all of which are important and necessary, but they are competing stakeholders. And if I'm trying to imagine if you needed to get five people to, or 10 people to sign off on anything a company did, you could imagine how that would slow the process down. And I think that is part of the problem.
0: Yeah, because as you talk about all the different players, I think about a sandbox. And, you know, everyone grabs onto their toys, mine, mine, mine. Mm-hmm. Really, You're talking about, if you're really, truly patient-centric. All be flowing in the same direction, right? From right. The, and it's it's totally like a grab. So that's how I kind of imagine. I have, to have even experienced it from that perspective as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. <laughs> when you think about it from the as as you were starting your organization and the company, what were some of the toughest moments?
1: You know, just starting any business, I think you know I have a podcast, and I just talked about this on a recent podcast, surviving your first year in business uh, so I think initially just doesn't matter what your business is. There are some challenges to getting your business started in any fashion. And I think uh, a lot of people who start a business, I'm not sure they're actually the best person suited to navigate the you know the first year's challenges unless you've had mentoring. Or previous experience, so I think we had this traditional challenges of you know, hiring the right people, uh, you know, getting our mission clear, and uh, executing and, and buying engagement from our staff. Okay. So those were the initial challenges that any organization would have. But then I think as we got deeper, then became this sort of the traditional way healthcare is run and how we wanted to do it differently. And then we realized the only way to change that is to write technology, to create technology. You can't, there are no third party softwares you can use that are going to address some of these, you know, really intransient issues in healthcare. So I think the way we got around it was to innovate and create our own technology.
0: And so, with that, what are you most passionate about? Then, because you talked about mission of the company and getting that kind of aligned and, and buy-in, so mm-hmm. thinking, What what's the passion?
1: You know, we have both an external-facing goal and an internal-facing goal. So, internally, I think our goal is to really improve the lives of everyone in our organization, professionally and financially. I mean, we that's you know we we, we want that, and I think I think that needs to be put out there and and acknowledge that that's the company that cares about that. And then secondary and not necessarily secondary, but simultaneously, we want to provide the kind of service that allows people to access healthcare in a manner that they actually feel that they they're in control and they have insight into their own healthcare giving people control of their health care is so important this feeling of, that you're not just the cog in the wheel of the insurance company or a cog in the wheel of the hospital or, you know, just just you're part of a system and you just have to go through it. I think what we've done at E7 healthy national testing, in fact, you know, if you read all, any of our reviews, the thing that most people comment on how they've never experienced anything else like that before and, and how empowering that is. And basically we hear that over and over because it just doesn't, it's, it's not seen that often mm-hmm. in healthcare. They see it in innovation at the movie theater. They see it in innovation here, but you don't see this kind of innovation where we're going to make your life better in healthcare.
0: Love it. The word that comes to my mind is dignity. Just in terms of my recent experiences, you get slapped around. And like you said, you're a number. You're just just a thing that's, and you're not mm. like seen as a human being in this overall process. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, dignity is the word that comes to my mind as I'm hearing what you're doing and what how mm-hmm. you kind of want to transform this particular uh, industry that's just been stagnant, right? And yeah. they say they're moving, but it's very—it's like a dinosaur.
1: Yeah, and I think they can't really move that fast because they're they're so wrapped up in complying with all the stakeholder different stakeholders' requests that. You lose the trees from the forest. In other words, trying to make the hospital happy, trying to make the insurance company happy, you're trying to make government regulations happy. Who is making the patient happy, right?
0: Absolutely. At the end of the day, and I think that's what's going to win because it's a down. It's a customer service, patient service. If you think about yeah, uh,
1: yeah, you know, I think as you see consolidation in healthcare with less and less choices, you know. You know Customer service is the first thing that goes. I mean, you know, I've talked about this on my podcast, but, you know, 10 years ago, there was like 10, 15 airlines. They consolidated into four. What happened to customer service? Did it go up? 10 years ago, 15 years ago, there was 15 cell phone companies. Now there's three. Have you tried calling your cell phone company lately?
0: It's not a pleasant experience.
1: (laughs) Has it gotten better (laughs) since they've consolidated?
0: No, not you know, I think the personal touch, and I think empathy is what's really m- missing in healthcare, and it's unfortunate. Right. I think. Oh, no, about- I like that
1: dignity, empathy. I keep going. I mean, like <laughs> you're hitting all you're hitting all the right marks.
0: Yeah. Right, because I think that as you kind of think through, you know, they in, talk innovation, and I just think that without really understanding that patient journey, not understanding dignity, that respect, the empathy piece, and understanding you, innovate, you can yeah. have as much innovation as you want. And I think that's what I think when I hear you and, and listen to you talk about the company that you're doing, you kind of embedded that into the design process. And I think that's one of the differences as opposed to kind of retrofitting the patient back into a process that already existed.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think you have a lot of insight that you nailed the you nailed it in the head.
0: Great. Tell me then in terms of, um, we talked about your toughest professional moment. You mentioned some of the testimonials that you've received and I just wanted to if there's some one that kind of resonates with you over from the years of, of in, in business that's kind of stood out for you and kind of like really touched you in terms of um the impact that you're having with the work that you're doing.
1: You know, in many ways if you've talking about testimonials I I think most of the time what I'm amazed by when we hear back is things like I didn't even know this existed, you know, kind of thing. And that A lot of times when people get into business, their whole idea of testimonials is to say, oh, you know, you're much better than my last accounting firm or your customer service is two notches above that other place I used to go. We get more like, I didn't even know this existed, Mm -hmm. which is a different kind of testimonial, which is, you know, which actually kind of goes to the thing where customer service is so important. But. You can't just live and die. You can't run a business by just customer service. You have to have amazing customer service. But above and beyond that, you have to have another differentiator. You can't just say we're going to focus on customer service, which you better. But what about innovating and providing something people aren't getting on top of your great customer service? So. So I'm most proud of when we get reviews that, of course, acknowledge our great customer service and especially our amazing staff, but also kind of reinforce that our concept of really providing something that's not being provided is is the most rewarding.
0: Absolutely. Well, and and, um, they recognize something different, right? So I think I love it because you really kind of looked at the landscape of within this healthcare industry and said, what's missing? And then, from there, created that that product, right? sort of yeah,
1: I think that when you realize what's missing, but then you know it's missing because of a reason. It's missing because there's too many stakeholders, and everyone's trying to make everyone, you know five other people happy, not the patient. so I, I think having and like you were referring to having dignity for the patients and understanding that their priority is the most important thing. And everything else is secondary. is is the way to do it. I think.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, clearly, it's you have, you have the proof of concept. So <laughs> mm. great. I want to go back to because you know most folks in healthcare they've worked for companies. I've worked for companies myself. And but taking that leap to doing something entrepreneurial, what propelled you?
1: Well, you know, it was um, it was a process. It wasn't like woke up one day and you know something hit you over the head it was a it was an evolution i would say i think first just doing administrative work and then having that evolve sort of one door opening another door as it were as opposed to just waking up one day and say ah i'm going to be an entrepreneur uh it was more doing getting on one committee and then getting on another committee and then that opens up an opportunity to you know maybe work with an organization and that opportunity opens up. So I think a lot of people think when people pivot, it's, it's an epiphany that they wake up one morning with, right? Oh, I'm going to pivot. Uh, and I think often it's more organic where you just try something. And also not every door opens another door. Sometimes you do something and that you say, oh, I'm glad I went there because I never want to do that again. So it, it helps you close doors that you don't want to go through. <laughs> and then it helps. And then other times it opens doors that you do want to go through. So if you have the patience and time and, and let it happen organically, other than, you know, than one day just waking up and, you know, quitting and starting your own thing. I, you know, I, I'm sure that works sometimes, but it's probably better to let it evolve and make sure you, you know, what you're getting yourself into.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think a plan. You always have, to have a plan in, right And from that perspective. I like the idea of throwing out different things before mm-hmm. that dab your toe in the waters a little bit, so to speak, and and get some through your belt as part of that process. And that actually is the entrepreneurial process, right? You try something, you iterate, you move on if it doesn't work.
1: Right. Yeah. It is the best way to do it because this way, you're not too deep into something when you realize, you know, that's not really working out for me.
0: Absolutely. I'm just curious then in terms of words of wisdom that you'd want to impart to our listeners. They're entrepreneurs, they're professionals, they are Mm folks thinking about transitioning from working for someone to working for themselves. And I'm just curious, any words of wisdom that you'd like to impart?
1: Well, I did think if you're going to start your own business, just the thing I always put out there first is being ahead head of a company, being a leader is not a soft skill. I think a lot of people think like, oh, people like me and I get along with people. That doesn't necessarily give you the skill sets to run a company. That doesn't mean you can't acquire those skill sets. But I think a lot of people say, well, it was my idea since I thought of it, or since I put up the money, I'm going to be the CEO, which I guess makes sense on some level, but that doesn't make you the most qualified person. It doesn't mean you can't become that qualified person. But but I think a lot of people do think, you know, running an organization, being the CEO is a soft skill. And, you know, like if you have good people skills you'll naturally be a good CEO. And I'm not sure that, that you need that, but I'm not sure that, that alone translates into success.
0: Got it. Thank you for that. So I'm hearing that uh, even though you may be the, the the primary person, the idea, the primary person resources, you may not be the person to take them to that next level.
1: You could be, but yeah, I would I would go get those skills. You know, find a mentor, get those skill sets. It doesn't mean you can't be that person. Like, would you land the 747 without any lessons?
0: <laughs> well, I'm here to level up. <laughs> level <Yeah>. up.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, you could you could land the 747, but what do you got to do first?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's always a process. What's the best way for folks to connect to you?
1: Yeah, well, uh, to, I'm on LinkedIn at Bactari MD. We have a website, BactariMD.com as well as, of course, our podcast, MD, on YouTube and all the other traditional podcast platforms and on any of the social media handles, as well as LinkedIn, as well as BactariMD.com.
0: Perfect. We'll have those in the podcast notes, no doubt. And I wanted to say thank you so much for being part of your, your business greatness.
1: Oh, thank you. We really enjoyed it and a big honor to be here. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us on Your Business Greatness. I am your host, Simone Sloan, and love to see you next time.